Welcome to the Draft Nut Podcast. It's Jared Feinberg and Devin Jackson, and we are your hosts for today's episode. Devin, it's good to see you awake on this fine morning. Guess your alarm went off this time around. Yeah, yeah, it did, definitely. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, I'm up, man. Uh, ready to do this. Ready to do this, man. Uh, we got plenty to get to today, Devin. Um, of course, we've been seeing all over our Twitter timeline Senior Bowl invites have been going out left and right. Um, some of the big names um, in the 2021 draft class have been getting those invites, uh, including some of the top seniors. Uh, some of those prospects I'll go ahead and list down. LSU defensive back Kerry Vincent Jr., uh, Florida State interior, interior defensive lineman Marvin Wilson, Penn State edge rusher Shaka Tony, Miami edge rusher, Quincy Roche, Alabama interior offensive line, Deontay Brown, Boston College interior offensive lineman, Zion Johnson. I know he's um, a favorite of A.J. Schultz, um, a, a, pro fo- a pro football network. Uh, so shout out to A.J. Uh, next, next player on the list that I have down is uh, Kyle Trask, Florida uh, quarterback, uh, you know, I talked about him a little bit on uh, the last podcast, and you know, is he a top five quarterback? We that's something we will discuss with our special guest next week. So I'm excited about uh, Tuesday's episode. Next, next couple of players on the list I have down four names remaining: UNC running back Michael Carter, Ole Miss tight end uh, Kenny Yaba. Uh, Yaba is that his last name? Or am I mistaken? Yeboa. Yeboa. Uh, UAB wide receiver Austin Watkins. I know he's your guy. And then Oklahoma, Oklahoma State wide receiver Tylen Wallace. Devin, looking at the list of accepted invites of the, the current roster right now for the Senior Bowl of accepted invites from prospects, who, who are you the most intrigued by? Like, who do you think could really make a name for themselves um, come January when the Senior Bowl uh, begins? Well, there's a few names that, to me, kind of stand out. Uh, obviously, you got uh, names like Kyle Trask and things like that, and obviously he's going to be a big name. Uh, but for me, uh, I would say uh, my guy, Austin Watkins, I think, you know, him playing at the level he's playing at UAB, it's not necessarily the same competition or same skill level. So people are going to be questioning, you know, whether or not what can he do against, you know, a guy like Kerry Vincent Jr. or, or some of the other corners like Rodarius Williams, people, players like that uh, that have proven themselves. Uh, so I think it's going to be a big week for him. And then some of those FCS guys as well. Uh, like Dylan Randuns, um, Spencer Brown, uh, those two tackles right there are, are going to have a huge week for the senior bowl. A lot of people don't know their names if they're not super into scouting. Um, they know Dylan Randun's name. Uh, he's come up by Jim Nagy before. Uh, he's come up by some of the other bigger analysts, but, uh, Spencer Brown is someone that's going to really benefit from the week. Um, and then, uh, lastly, Jamie Newman. Uh, he has a huge opportunity uh, this week uh, in, in the Senior Bowl week to make a name for himself. We haven't seen him since Wake Forest last year. Uh, he'll be representing Georgia, even though he never played uh, down for Georgia. Uh, so that should be interesting. But he hasn't played, you know, a full season. Uh, we don't know 
has he made strides in some areas we thought were weaknesses? You know, we, we don't know about him as a player. You know, we, we know the film we have from Wake Forest, but that doesn't tell the whole story. So, um, like the players I have list down for, um, like some of the like eyeball prospects, like I'll definitely be looking at. Um, Quincy Roche, Shakatoni. Shakatoni, I think, can really make a case in this game um, to maybe emerge as a potential day one pick, you know, or a potential early day two pick. He's got that bend. He's got um, he's got the size. Um, you know, he he's got that athletic ability that you really like. Um, so I think the Senior Bowl would be really nice to see. How he does, um, how he does there. Um, Michael Carter, UNC running back, he's part of that unique, uh, dy- dynamic duo in the backfield that features also his teammate, uh, Javante Williams, who could end up declaring for the draft as well. Um, and, and then you got Kyle Trask, who, like I mentioned before, and I talked about on the previous episode of the podcast, you know, he's going to need this draft process and he's going to need some good games against like say Alabama and if Florida somehow makes the college football playoff he's going to need to really impress against whoever Florida Florida plays in the playoffs so the those prospects need those type of need those type of good weeks um in Mobile to really make a name for themselves and to really boost up their boost up their draft stock um you know I remember like the first year I I was really doing um draft scouting. Um, it was a 2018 draft and I fell in love with Baker Mayfield. I was, I was still, I was a fan of him before the game. Um, and then when he showed up at practice and all that, like he, he really, Hey, I could be the number one pick in the draft. And he ended up being the number one pick in the draft, whether some people agree with that or not. I mean, that's, that's up for, um, a debate that will be talked about another time. But, you know, the senior bowl is a great place for players like Austin Watkins, um, Kerry Vincent, um, trying to think of other names, uh, Shai Smith, who just accepted his invite this morning, um, Tylen Wallace, um, Kenny Yaboa. You know, those are guys that can really help their draft stock. Marvin Wilson, he'll need to help his draft stock too because, like, in the games he played this year, he wasn't that impressive. He's been, he was inconsistent all year up until he got hurt and now he's out for the season and we won't see him again until Mobile, um, until the Senior Bowl. So, you know, I think a lot of teams for players that aren't going to have weren't playing this year, like Kerry Benson, Jamie Newman, uh, just names that come to mind, they will, they will have to have, they will need to have a good week in Mobile because teams will be having to go off their 2019 tape if they have um, enough 2019 tape. And also you need to think about what about the players, what about the juniors that will be graduating in December? You know, Micah Parsons, he's graduating in December. He'll be eligible for the Senior Bowl. If we get Micah Parsons at the Senior Bowl, that'd be huge, huge. It'll just make the Senior Bowl much more exciting and much, much more entertaining, in my opinion. Um, and then also the possibility of even having Trevor Lawrence there. He graduates in December. 
and assuming he, of course, he says this is going to be his last year at Clemson, you know, could we see the future number one pick going to Mobile, Alabama to participate in the Senior Bowl? We don't know, but it'll be really nice to see, like, some of these juniors who have graduated early and if they're able to compete in this Senior Bowl, especially Micah Parsons, that'd be huge. And it will just make the event much more special and much more intriguing um, than in years past because if you get Lawrence and Parsons, those are two potential top ten picks. You know, Lawrence is going to go top one. He's going to be the first pick of the draft. So you get those two players, you're set. And Jim Nagy is having to like the amount of talent in this draft and at, at the for seniors is incredible. So I'm really excited for this senior bowl. You know, I wish I would be able to go, but I've already made the decision. I've already made up my mind that I won't be going just because of COVID-19, the concerns. I don't want to expose myself too much, you know, and again, it's, we don't know what, what the senior bowl is going to do in terms of how they're going to allow media uh, to come in, media credentials and whatnot. So I'll probably have to put the senior bowl on hold until next year. I definitely want to go next year. Like, no doubt about it. January, I wish I, if it was any other normal year, no COVID, no nothing, I'd be going. I can't. I just can't. I don't want to risk it. So, you know, very intriguing senior bowl this year. Um, I'm really excited to see who else ex- accepts their invites for the senior bowl. If we're able to, and again, if we're able to get Lawrence and Parsons, that'd be huge for the game. So, and also huge for Parsons. If Parsons shows at practice, if he's able to go to the Senior Bowl and he shows at practice, his mental makeup is a lot improved um, from his 2019 tape. This this guy's going to be the, probably the first defensive player off the board, more more likely than not. So, you know, again, this is going to be a very crucial game for plenty of prospects to really increase their draft stock, really make a name for themselves and start to add up some hype throughout the draft process going through the combine. So really excited about that. So let's get to some of the top college football matchups of the weekend. The first one I think everyone knows about number nine, Indiana is traveling to number three, Ohio state. The first top 10 matchup in the big 10 um, this year, which is exciting. Think of the player that, People are really going to be watching, of course, is Justin Fields. Can he continue the magic he's he's had all season? He has 11 touchdown passes. That's as many as he's had for incompletions. He only has 11 incompletions. That's incredible. That's insane. The way he is playing, he is playing like, okay, if people are saying Trevor Lawrence is the top quarterback, I need to make a case myself. At least make a case for the top pick. I don't know if Fields will be the top pick at all. I think it's that certain that Lawrence is going to be the top pick, but you know, there'll be draft analysts, there'll be people saying, oh, well, it's much more of a debate who's going to be the number one pick than it was before. And some of that's true, but I don't know how really you can say Justin Fields is going to be the number one pick, but on Trevor Lawrence, and he turns up and becomes like this superstar quarterback, 
like we all expect him to. And he just becomes the face of the NFL, like Patrick Mahomes is right now. Then the Jets are like, we got screwed up there. Not saying Justin Fields is not going to do well in, in at the next level. I think he's going to do excellent at the next level. I think he's a better prospect than Joe Burrow, in my opinion. So, you know, if, if Fields can have a good performance against Indiana, like he has all year long, uh, you know, I, I, it's going to be hard for me not to rank him in my top three prospects, honestly. Like, he's that talented and he's that good, in my opinion. Um, and this is a big game for Indiana. If Indiana is able to knock off Ohio State, they're, they got clear path to the Big Ten Championship and possibly the college football playoff. Like, they beat Ohio State. They're a top five team, just like that. Big game for both teams. Ohio State needs to prove, are they the best team? Are they really the best team in the country? Or is Indiana on the rise to becoming a new powerhouse in the Big Ten? We just don't know. We'll, we'll just have to wait and see what happens Saturday. Um, a couple of other players I'm watching from Ohio State. I want to see if Sean Wade can start rebounding after after a slow start. Hasn't looked very impressive from playing on the outside. He struggled in that area. I think he's more comfortable playing in the slot when he's able to play against the run um, and also be able to shut down the slot receivers, which he can do very well. And it's not saying Wade can't play on the outside. I think he has the ability to. It's just he he's still learning how to play on that boundary. We didn't we we don't we haven't seen him play on the boundary much up until this year. So this is all new for him. We're hoping he can start getting it together, start getting his technique, and start getting a little bit better, start being more consistent. If he can do that, he can start making his case again to be a first round pick. But right now, I think he's more of a he's more of an early day two pick than anything which isn't bad because Wade's a damn good player. He's just been inconsistent to start the year. A um, couple other players I'm going to be watching, um, that Ohio State interior defensive lineman who's been having a great year so far. I can't remember his name. Um, do you remember his name, Devin? I'm, I'm, it's coming up blank for me. Um, I was going to say Jonathan Cooper, but I don't think that's it. Um, I could look it up real quick. Uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. Um, uh, where, where? Here we go. Ohio, not Cumberland, Ohio State, IDL. Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett, thank you. Um, Haskell Garrett's really been making a name for himself. Um, He's reminding me of, in terms of just how well he's playing and how how he's doing for his draft stock. He's reminding me a little bit um, to Bond Hamilton. Remember, he he was being hyped up as like a potential top fifty top one fifty prospect or even a top fifty prospect for the drafts. Like he showed good get off. He was he penetrated the line of scrimmage very well. Um, someone that really made a name for themselves throughout the season. And I think um, God. Slip my mind again. What's his name again? Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett. Haskell Garrett is making the same rise, in my opinion, as Donovan, uh, as Devon Hamilton did last year. 
So that's a player I'm really going to be watching on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I'm going to be watching the same guys that we've been watching on Ohio State side of the ball. Um, Wyatt Davis, Josh Myers, um, you know, Chris, uh, Chris Olave, Master Teague, Trey, uh, Trey Sermon. Uh, just some of the bigger names on that off, on that offset, offensive side of the ball. Are there any prospects you would keep your that we should keep our eye on for Indiana? Are there any like big name prospects we should really keep a look, or have a look at this weekend? Uh, I wouldn't say big name. Uh, I think uh, right now none of the prospects are going to probably be in the top 100. Uh, but they could crack the top 150 or 200. Uh, slot receiver Wap Fillier, uh, he, he's very shifty. He's going to be someone that, um, you know, Ohio State has to key in on. He, he can make big plays over the middle and from the slot. Um, so I fully expect him to be a target in this game. Ty Freifogel has really emerged. Uh, he's probably a late-round pick, if that, but he's really emerged over the last few weeks, had a big game against Michigan State last week. Um, and, and then you got a quarterback, Michael Penix. Uh, he's draft eligible this year. Uh, probably doesn't get into the draft this year. Uh, and if he does, probably it's going to be one of those uh, undrafted free agents, but uh, someone that can really spin it. Uh, so those three guys are, are, are players that I'm looking forward to the most in this game. Uh, they got a couple of underclassmen as well that won't be eligible on the defensive side of the ball. Uh, one being, uh, Taiwan Mullen. Uh, he is, uh, brother Trayvon Mullen and he can really play, uh, well in corner. He's going to be a big key matchup, uh, matchup against Chris Olave. Uh, and it will do wonders for his draft stock. Uh, next season, if he can play well against Olave on Saturday, uh, but it's come down to the line of scrimmage, which is why I'm worried for Indiana because they just don't have the size and the athleticism and speed to match up with Ohio State at the point of attack. So they're really going to have to win their outside matchups, um, which is going to be tough because, like I said, um, this you know Ohio State's full of four and five star guys. Indiana's a bunch of two, three stars. So that's that's my kind of my biggest issue with the game. Uh, if Ohio State controls the line of scrimmage, they'll cruise to an easy victory. But if Indiana can force some turnovers and uh, move the ball offensively, I think this game will go a long way to being close. But at the end of the day, I got Ohio State winning. I think that they're just going to be too much for Indiana to handle. Yeah, I agree with you. I think Ohio State's just way too talented on both sides of the ball for Indiana to keep up. But, you know, I, we've seen all season long, like we've seen some of the top um, potential edge rushers in this draft class. We saw Shakatoni and Jason Oway uh, of Penn State. They were just cruising off the edge um, against Indiana when they played um, in week one or Big Ten week one, I should say. But, yeah, I, I just think Ohio State's just too talented to lose this game. If they – I think it could end up being – Closer than people expect. Like early on, I think Indiana could make a run. Like we saw, like we saw with Nebraska a few weeks ago when Ohio State and Nebraska opened up the season. You know, if we, we could see that to start the game, but then Ohio State just runs it up scoreboard and they end up dominating the game. I, I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I think they'll cover, I think they'll cover the spread. I think they'll, like, you know, it, it's just, 
it's hard for me to see Ohio State losing at all to this team. You know, Ohio State's just supremely talented. And like you said, they got all these four or five stars, future NFL talent. Indiana has two three-star guys with guys that could have some impact in the NFL. We just don't know. They could be day three undrafted free agent type players, you know. Those are the guys that Indiana has. So they're they're coming into this game probably with a chip on their shoulder, still being doubted. It could get close, but, you know, I think Ohio State pulls away at the end. Um, another matchup that really has my eyes open is App State at number 15 Coastal Carolina. Conference game, big conference game. Could turn into a big rivalry, too. App State 6-1. and one. Um, You know, they came into the year ranked. They lost to Marshall. Marshall is now tied for um, the 15th ranking in the AP poll. If App State can beat Coastal Carolina, they're back in the top 25. That's all they have to do, beat Coastal Carolina. And it could be a little bit of my bias. I I live closer to App State. I'm about two hours away, two hours away from campus or so. And, you know, just – from watching App State, because my parents are big App State fans, they went to Ohio State. That's where they met. So they're, they got App State games on every Saturday, you know, so I'm basically watching the game with them. And App State's been getting better and better every week. They've had some, like, oh boy moments, like, got too close for comfort in terms of being able, they play, they sometimes play down to their opponent. And that can get them in trouble. And that's, and that's what got them in trouble against Marshall. But if App State can play their best football yet, I think they can beat Coastal Carolina. Coastal Carolina's offense is just incredible. So I think it's going to be a tough game for App State. But I think Coastal Carolina ends up getting the win here. I, I just think Coastal Carolina's offense is too explosive for App State to handle. Even though App State's defense, they got some guys um, in the secondary that can really cover. It could get really interesting in this game, but I think Coastal Carolina pulls away late. So that's a game I'm really interested in. Wisconsin at number 19, Northwestern. Number 10, Wisconsin at number 19, Northwestern. Ranked matchup, third or the second ranked matchup in the Big Ten this weekend. Hopefully it doesn't get canceled. I really hope it doesn't. doesn't get postponed. We We've already tied – the amount of games that have been postponed or canceled that we did last week. We're not even close to Saturday yet. We're still two days away. We could have another three or four games canceled before then. Canceled or postponed, whatever. But a player I'm watching is for that game is uh, retro freshman quarterback Graham Burtz of Wisconsin. Um, you know, he had a, that great game in week one against – who were they playing? Gosh. Uh, Illinois. They were playing Illinois. And, you know, I was like, ooh, this, he, Graham Mertz could be the next, like, really good quarterback in a 2022 class that already looks very talented. So, you know, if, if Graham Mertz can continue to show promise as a potential pro quarterback and he can do that against Northwestern, who have been playing great defense all year long, I think Mertz will make a conversation to being Maybe one of the top 15, top 10 quarterbacks in college football. 
So this is a big game for him. This is a big game for Northwestern. If they can knock off number 10 Wisconsin, we could have, I think, for for the second time in three years, Ohio State against Northwestern in the Big Ten title game. But this time, Northwestern is going to be ranked. This time, Northwestern will probably have a much better record than they did in that in the year they played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship. The year they played Ohio State in the Big Ten championship, they were 8-5. and five. So, you know, I, I it's going to be interesting to see what happens in this game. It could end up being a really sneaky good game. But I think Wisconsin pulls away. I think they got the better defense, the better offense, the better um, firepower. Um, I, they're still going to be missing some starters because of COVID-19 protocols and whatnot. But I think Graham Mertz can get the job done and lead this team to victory. Um, this this is the bigger matchup of the weekend besides number nine, um, Indiana, at number three, Ohio State. It's Bethel. In at Oklahoma. Number 14, Oklahoma State at number 18, Oklahoma. A couple of players are going to be watching this game, of course. We'll be watching Spencer Rattler, see how, how he's developed over the year, over the season after, um, after struggling to start the year. Um, and Creed Humphrey, the center for Oklahoma, uh, I about to say Oklahoma State, Oklahoma, the Sooners. Um, Humphrey's one of the better interior offensive linemen in the country and also in for the NFL draft. Um, also, Tylen Wallace, who we just mentioned earlier, he's going to be in this game. He should he should have a big game against um, Oklahoma's really bad defense. So, you know, those are the players I'm looking for um, this weekend, um, especially Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. Um for that game, Devin, are there any other prospects I should be keeping an eye on in that game? I know Spencer Sanders could be a potential guy, Chris Hubbard as well. So who are some other guys I should be looking out for? Uh, you, you got the the right tackle, Tevin Jenkins, uh, for Oklahoma State. He just recently got accepted into the Senior Bowl. Uh, so he's someone to keep an eye out for. Uh, on the offensive side of the ball. Defensively, uh, you got a couple guys with Darius Williams. He just got uh, a senior ball invite on Oklahoma State, uh, so you got to keep an eye out for him. Uh, and uh, someone is an underclassman who is not draft eligible, but someone looking to watch out going forward, Trace Ford, the defensive end from Oklahoma State. He has been really phenomenal this year. Uh, has a great get-off uh can be someone talked about uh, for next year's edge class. And then finally, um, you, you got the, the pair of linebackers. You got Calvin Bundage, uh, someone who I think probably be a day three player. Uh, and then the other linebacker, I cannot pronounce his, his name, but uh, he, he's a standout linebacker uh, as well. Uh, you know, you'll know him when you see him. And the, and the safety, uh, Kobe Harvell Peel. Yeah, and you know, I, I'm, I'm, I really, I think Oklahoma, if they can win this game, I think their 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 path to the Big Twelve title game is pretty simple. Even though they had a bad start to the year, a really bad start, like you know, they they've got to Oklahoma really needs to re-identify themselves. You know, they had a really bad start to, to the year, a start they should have never had in the first place. But if they can get a big win against Oklahoma State, who could really, like, if Oklahoma State can win out, 
have some impressive victories down the line, they can beat Oklahoma by a big amount of points, maybe by like 10, 15, 20 points. You know, Oklahoma State's got a shot at being in the college football playoffs. So this is a big game for both teams. Oklahoma's definitely not making the playoff. I mean, that that's for certain. They are not. Like, forget about it. Like, they're not going to make the playoff. If they did make the playoffs, they're going to get killed like they do every year. Every time they make the playoff, they get killed, except for the Rose Bowl a couple years ago. But, you know, a big game for both teams. And I, I expect this to be another classic um, Bedlam game um, between two arch rivals, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. And, you know, we could see – I think next year we'll see the best Oklahoma we've seen in a while, especially on offense. Spencer Rattler will be a junior or a redshirt uh, sophomore, he would have gotten better, hopefully. Um, he'll be a top draft prospect. Um, you got guys on at the skill positions that are really intriguing, um, and especially on the offensive line. Um, Creed Humphrey, if he has another good game, he's going to continue to make him make a case for himself as the, as the guy that should be the first interior offensive lineman off the board. Um, come April, April 29th, which is the day of the NFL, of the 2021 NFL draft. So, you know, those are some of the guys I'll be watching this weekend. Um, some of the games I'll be keeping a close eye on. Um, of course, as a Clemson fan, I'll be watching, um, Clemson, Florida State. Um, it's not going to be a close game, but Trevor Lawrence is back. So that's a good thing. Trevor Lawrence is back. Clemson can continue to just dominate teams with Trevor Lawrence at the helm. He, I really hope Trevor Lawrence doesn't have like a really slow start and look like the player we saw earlier last season. So like I'm hoping we don't see that. I'm hoping we don't see a Florida State team that just all of a sudden turns into this really good football team for like one or two halves and ends up upsetting Clemson. Like I don't think that's going to happen. I don't think Clemson's going to lose two weeks in a row. That's, that's not going to be possible. So, um, you know, Trevor Lawrence, Travis Etienne, Jackson Carmen, um, Darian Kendrick, um, some of the guys I'll be definitely watching um, this weekend, including Amari Rogers um, and um, uh, Colin Powell, uh, wide receiver for Clemson. He's really made a name for himself over the last few weeks um, as a top weapon for that team. So really excited to see that. So let's get to week 11. Let's go ahead and get through the week 11 slate, some of the big games this weekend. Um, of course, as a Panthers fan, I want to mention Lions at Panthers. Um, that could be a sneaky good game. I'm not sure. After watching Carolina get dominated by Tampa Bay, I've been, I'm kind of skeptical about the Panthers right now and how the season will go. Um, uh, but this weekend or tonight, Thursday night, we got Cardinals at Seahawks, the battle for the NFC West lead. You know, that's going to be a really good game tonight. It should be a high-scoring affair, um, two very good offenses, two very good quarterbacks, two quarterbacks in the MVP conversation. Cardinals coming off a dramatic win over the Bills, the Hail Mary catch by DeAndre Hopkins. The Seahawks are coming off an embarrassing loss to the Rams, and all of a sudden Russell Wilson's now top three in the NFL in picks. Like, we were talking about him as a potential league MVP at the beginning of the year. Now he's not the favorite anymore. 
but there's still plenty of season left and he's got plenty of um plenty of games to go to really start to build up his case again. Um we got Eagles Browns that that's that could end up being a really interesting game. Could be a defensive side game, I think. Um Browns haven't really been putting up um much many points over the last couple of weeks. Um the Eagles they need to have a um a good game offensively and defensively. Um so that's that's gonna be a big game for both teams. Um Sunday night we got Chiefs at Raiders. We don't know what's gonna happen with that game right now because almost the entire starting uh defensive side of the ball for the Raiders are on the COVID nineteen reserve list because they've been exposed to it because a couple of their starters got it and you know the Raiders have been a mess with COVID nineteen. They've already have um they've gotten penalized for it, like over a million dollars for um what's the word? Um violating COVID nineteen protocols. Uh, Monday night we got Rams at Bucks. That's that should be a really interesting game. And then Devin, your Saints. Saints host, hosting the Atlanta Falcons. Jameis Winston's first game at first game as a starter. We finally get to see him play as a starter for uh, for the Saints. It's just not as what we were expecting. Well. In a way, it kind it kind of was. Not saying we were expecting Breeze to get hurt, but like we we talked about this weeks ago. You know, we could see a situation where Winston would have to come in for Breeze in case Breeze got hurt again, and we're seeing that right now. And I I put down my notes. This is basically Osweiler replacing Peyton Manning 2.0. It so that that's something really interesting about. So. Let's go back and go through the games again, but this time we're going to pick the winners. Devin, who do you got winning for Thursday night football? Uh, man, I got to go with the Cardinals. The Seahawks have really, really uh, fallen off a cliff now, and they're just not the same team they were a couple weeks ago. They lost three out of the last four games. Defense is really questionable, and it's crazy to think, you know, they were one of the undefeated teams left. You know, up until they played the Cardinals. Um, I think the Cardinals are just their kryptonite. You know, they just have that defense that confuses Russell Wilson. Um, and if they use Isaiah Simmons, he can be a big weapon, uh, especially for a depleted offensive line that has given up a ton of sacks for Russell Wilson. He has no time to throw anymore. Uh, and teams are starting to pick up on kind of what he does. So I got to go with Cardinals. I got to go with the hot team. Uh, they're, they're coming in really, really on fire, um, and playing really, really good football. And there is no one on the field that can guard DeAndre Hopkins. So I got to go with the Cardinals, man. Kyler Murray is playing at a different level right now. Yeah. I'm going with the Cardinals too. I mean, they're, they, they have the hot hand right now. Their offense is just so explosive. Kyler Murray's season has been very similar to what Lamar Jackson's was last year. Like, not as like, incredible as it was last year, but he's putting up similar numbers, which is kind of crazy. And Murray has really emerged as an MVP candidate. And yet he's still having, he's still showing struggles as a passer, but you know, he, he makes the throws that they, that he needs to make when the time comes. And that's really been a huge factor as to for how well the Cardinals have been doing on offense. Um, their run game has been elite. Their passing game has been elite. It's just an elite offense overall. Um, 
even with, with even their offensive line, it's not the best in the world. But they they've been consistent enough to really give Murray time in the pocket to let him make the throws he needs to make. Um, and you know the Cardinals they've been playing better defensively, even though they're still giving up points. They've been playing tougher, more competitive defensively. Isaiah Simmons is getting more reps. He's getting more snaps. I think he had 50% of the snaps um, this past week. So, you know, as when you're getting your more talented, your better players on the field, your defense starts to play better. And Simmons is one of their better players on the field. And he's been a true chess piece for the Cardinals defense, and they're finally figuring out, okay, this is how we need to use him. We need to use him everywhere. He can play anywhere. He's had snaps on the back end. He's had snaps um, off ball. He's had snaps as a pass rusher. You know, they're using him like he should be used as a true chess piece on defense. Bud Baker, Patrick Peterson, um, Byron Murphy, like they're playing well. Like this is, this defense is starting to get going and they're, they got the hot hand. I, I think they're going to beat the Seahawks, um, tonight on Thursday night. Uh, so if you're listening to this on Friday and the Seahawks end up winning, Go ahead and murder Devin and I um, with like, oh, we're going to show you, we're going to clip this, and we're going to show you guys when the Seahawks beat up, when, when the Seahawks um, get the win tonight. We'll see, we'll see. Eagles Browns, I got, I got the Browns winning in that one. Um, I think they, did, I think they finally get going offensively. I think Baker Mayfield has a good game um, against the Eagles defense. Um, I think Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I think they really get going again. Um, they had a good game last week. Both of them, I think, reached 100 yards rushing on the ground. They have, they are, they are the best one-two punch in the NFL in the backfield. And that's easily the best running back duo in the NFL. Um, I, I just, with how bad the Cardinals, or not the Cardinals, how bad the Eagles have been playing all year long, for what we were expecting, it's been kind of disappointing. And I think going against the Browns team that's in the thick of the playoff race, I don't think that spells anything good for the Eagles. So I'm going to go with the Browns here. Yeah, I don't really believe in the Eagles. Um, they are just not a good football team. Um, I, I hate to put it that bluntly, but they're just not a good football team. You know, they have – so many deficiencies. Uh, their linebacker core is awful. Um, I'm, I'm sorry to say it. They are, <laughs> which is why yeah. the Browns are going to run for like 200 and yet yards. The Eagles on could Sunday. still make the playoffs. I mean, that's that's the crazier part. I don't, I don't think they end up making it. Uh, but that is, a, so? that is a that is a different. <sighs> I just don't think I just don't think it's the Eagles, but I don't know who makes it. Um, I I just don't. Three- we could have a three, a four and twelve, or a three and thirteen team making the playoffs, and like that's just. I mean, you got to give the edge to the Giants. They have the best defense in in the NFC East. I mean, that's saying something. That's saying something. I mean, is it though? I mean, the the Giants' defense isn't that great either. Their only good players are James Bradbury and oh gosh, uh interior offensive line or not offensive line defensive line they've been pretty sound that's about it in my opinion like they they aren't that great yeah anyway the browns are winning so they're probably going for 200 yards rushing all right let's go lions panthers real quick (sighs) 
I'm going to go with Lions. I'm I'm skeptical about the Panthers, man. Like, they don't do well in the third quarter. I don't think – look, I can see the Panthers easily beating the Lions, like beating the crap out of the Lions. You know, they have the offense to really just put numbers up uh, on the board. I just think now you – the Lions are now starting a very tired running back at DeAndre Swift, who had a great game and should continue to progress – and the Panthers don't have the defense to really hold up against that. Their secondary is going to get killed like usual. Their linebacker core, it's okay. It, it could be better. Shaq Thompson's been playing better football as of late, but like, I, I'm just not skeptic. I'm just not that excited for this game. Like, I feel like this could be another game where the Carolina Panthers disappoint. And I really do think they have a, Solid shot at probably losing every single one of their games left remaining. They could finish three and thirteen and end up having a top five pick. Like I'm not that optimistic about the rest of the season for Carolina. I'm just not. So I'm going to go with the Lions here over the Panthers. Close. Like I think the Panthers will make it close throughout the season against plenty of their opponents, but I think the Lions edge out the Panthers here. I got the Panthers winning, uh, and it's because the Lions are going to blow a late lead. Um, the Lions are probably going to take a lead with a couple minutes left in the game. Panthers are going to go down and win it. Um, I think it's, it's that close of a game. It's really neck and neck, and the thing with the Lions is that they're just never consistent drive to drive, you know? They'll have DeAndre Swift in, you know, use him out of the backfield, you know, actually use them correctly and then they'll go back to AP and and go through like two straight drives with them. So, you know, just based off of that mirror, I think the Panthers are going to hang around. You know, the Lions defense defense isn't great. I mean, the Washington football team carved them up and I mean, Alex Smith, who hasn't played in years, was carving up that Lions defense. So I think Joe Brady is going to have a great game plan against the Lions. And I think that the Panthers are going to find a way to win at the end. That's fair. That's fair. That's very, very fair. I can see that happening for sure. For sure. I'm just not very optimistic about Carolina. That's just me and that's just me being realistic. You know, I just don't feel, I don't feel comfortable with Carolina the rest of the way. I don't think they'll, they'll keep it close, but like, I think they just, they don't know how to close out games yet. They just don't. And the Lions could end up blowing a lead still. And yet Carolina, they get all the way downfield and then they get stuck at like the 40, 45 yard line. They, then they have to kick like a 60, 65 yard field goal like the last couple of weeks. And yeah, it, it's just, I don't know, man. I'm, I'm just not that optimistic about Carolina, but let's move on. Chiefs Raiders. I got the Chiefs winning in this one. I don't think it's going to be close. Raiders are going to be, they're probably going to be without a few of their starters. Um, because of COVID-19, um, contact tracing and whatnot. Um, so defensively, they're going to struggle. Of course, um, not a lot of practice time for some of the starters because of COVID-19. Um, and, you know, it's the Chiefs, like, yeah, the Raiders are playing some really solid football as of late. And got to give them credit for that. They've been playing good football throughout the year. But I... I don't know if they even make the playoffs, you know? You got teams that could be emerging. You got Miami emerging. You got 
if New England gets on a run, like New England could be in the mix. You know, it, I, it's hard for me to see the Raiders kind of sneak in there. I think they're, a, I think they make it next year, but I don't think they make it this year. I think the Chiefs get the big win over the Raiders on Sunday night football and continue to show they're arguably the best team in the NFL. So got the Chiefs. Yeah, I got uh, I got the Chiefs as well. I think the Chiefs are playing their best football of the season right now. I think Patrick Mahomes is out to prove that he can win MVP again and and you know put up numbers. Uh, and he's quietly put up you know big numbers: twenty five touchdowns, one interception on the season. I mean, it doesn't get much more impressive than that to start off the season. He's still on pace to maybe go for forty touchdowns. Um, so I, I got the Chiefs winning. I think. The Raiders, you know, they got them that first matchup, but the Chiefs are going to be ready this time around and uh, really take it to the Raiders this time. Last game we got on our on the list I got here, Bucks, Rams, Monday Night Football. That should be a good game, maybe, if Jared Goff can be consistent at least. Um, I want to give credit to the Rams defensive coordinator who's been in his first year as defensive coordinator there. He's done a great job. Uh, with their defense. Defense is pro- probably one of the 10 best in the league. Um, Aaron Donald's been p- playing great football. Um, Jalen Ramsey's showing why he's one of the top three corners in football. I mean, that's secondary, linebacker group, defensive line, pass rushers. They've been really playing good football um, throughout the season. So go and give a shout out to the Rams, who've been playing much better defense than I expected. I got the Tampa Bay Buccaneers winning in this one. Um, after getting embarrassed by the Saints, a couple weeks ago, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers really needed a get-right game, and they got a get-right game against Carolina, and they dominated them in the second half. Um, their offense exploded. Their defense played um, exceptionally well. Um, Antonio Brown starting to get um, going, starting to form that chemistry more with Tom Brady. Um, and, you know, this Buccaneers offense looks a lot more explosive than it has um, as of late. You know, adding Antonio Brown and then seeing Ronald Jones have that big 98-yard touchdown against Carolina. Like, you add all those weapons and you got those players in the backfield. You know, the Bucks might have arguably one of the best offenses in the NFL, and they do. Their defense is arguably one of the best defenses in the NFL, even though they got killed a couple weeks ago. So, you know, they got that get-right game against Carolina, and I think they continue to – Ride with that momentum. I think they uh, beat the Rams by at least 10 points um, on Monday Night Football. Yeah, I, I got the Bucks winning as well. Uh, and this is an indictment to the Rams. I think they're a good football team. Yeah. Uh, I just don't think they're elite, and mainly because of their quarterback. Uh, I just don't believe in Jared Goff fully. I think their defense is going to keep them in a lot of games, but at the end of the day, when it comes down to it, um, I just don't trust their offense to get a drive when they need it. You know, right. uh, I just feel like Jared Goff has really not been that explosive, you know, down the field type of option guy that he was a couple of years ago when they went to the Super Bowl. Uh, but a, a key factor will be, who is guarding Antonio Brown and Chris Godwin? Because Jalen Ramsey will likely be matched up with Mike Evans. Uh, Darius Williams for the uh, Rams has played spectacular. It's four interceptions this season. Uh, and, and kind of a, a overnight story has really had some success this year. 
Um, he will be key when guarding Antonio Brown or uh, even guarding Chris Godwin. So that's going to be the keys to the game. And then who do you match up with Gronk? Um, I don't think he's going to be as big as of a big of a threat as he has been, you know, over the years. Uh, but he still is a factor. Um, and I, I just don't see the Rams offense handling the Bucks pressure that they're going to bring, you know, well, they lost Andrew Whitworth. Uh, which could be the last game in his career last week against Seattle. And now they have that hole on, I believe it's the left side of their line. Yeah. I think. Um, and the Bucks are known to come after uh, teams that struggle offensively, uh, you know, on their offensive line. So Jared Goff and, and Sean McVay are going to scheme up some quick passes, but I just don't think they have the talent on the outside to consistently beat the Bucks. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think. You know, as as well as well as the Rams have been playing all year, uh, you go against a Tampa Bay team that's really starting to write off their momentum from last week um, against Carolina. I just don't see um, the Rams getting a win here on the road, even at Tampa Bay. It's at Tampa Bay. If it was at the Rams, I'd feel a little bit more comfortable, even though there's no fans and all, no home field advantage really anymore in the NFL um, this year. But like, you know. Going to the going to Tampa Bay, that's going to be really tough. And if the weather's bad, that could play a factor into the Bucks for the Bucks advantage. So I got Tampa Bay winning that one. Before we go, Devin, how do you think Jameis Winston will do against the Atlanta Falcons? I want to know. What's your prediction? How do you think it will? Um, I think he goes like fourteen of twenty, uh, two ten and two touchdowns. No turnovers. Yes, yeah, I mean. When when he was playing, no, that's the him. big thing. <laughs> yeah, when he when he when he was uh, when he was playing against um, when he was in the game against San Francisco, he, he looked impressive. He looked good. He, I mean, he had yeah, that, he had he, one. He had, he had that one pass. Yeah. So I was like, oh no, <laughs> he's going back into his old ways. But I think he'll yeah. do fine. I, yeah, I mean, he's got better offense around him, better offensive line, um, good weapons. Uh, a good coaching staff with him. I mean, I think he'll do fine. I think he'll do fine against Atlanta's defense. So, yeah. Today's podcast, everyone, thank you so much for listening. Next week on Tuesday, we have a big name from the draft community joining us on the podcast. I'm really excited for it. Devin and I are really excited. We both have our alarm set for it, right? Right? Yes? Okay. We're good. We're good, Devin. Okay. We got our alarm set. We're ready to go for next Tuesday. I'm excited for it. Hope you, hope you guys listen to that one. We'll see y'all. Peace.